Just a quick heads up, this show contains sensitive and graphic material that might not be for everyone. If you don't enjoy in-depth true crime, humor about true crime, and drinking, please don't continue. We want to be respectful of the victims in these crimes, but as for the criminals, we just don't give a shit. Welcome to Crimes and Cocktails, a podcast where we explore true crime while drinking a customized cocktail created by Tabitha and Katie. Hey guys, I'm Tabitha. And I'm Katie. Welcome back to this week's happy hour. We're going to be talking about all things wedding themed. Um, first, <laughs> if you're wondering why Katie sounds like she's calling in. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she <Again>. is <laughs> again <laughs> yeah we have just like we said you know we weren't able to put out our episode last week because we were just having technical difficulties we are still having those difficulties so bear with us we just didn't want to delay this episode any longer we don't want to keep you guys from getting content so hopefully we'll have this figured out this week so that next week's episode won't sound like this but uh here we are. Yep. <laughs> yep. So. Life is good. Life is good. <laughs> got it's my drink. Well. I got a face mask on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I needed it. I I also almost sliced my thumb off right now, so I needed to what chill. I was <laughs> washing dishes, and there was something sharp, and uh, <laughs> could have oh been God. a trip to the ER. <laughs> I was like, not today. We need to record this episode. <laughs> You're all in the ambulance on the phone with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. So this past weekend, we celebrated Katie's Bachelorette, which Ooh. thank you guys for, there was some friends of ours and people, some some listeners like Donna, Donna, yes. who uh, sent a little bit of money so we could get Katie good and drunk. Thank you guys. Mm-hmm. It was a great time. I'm still recovering Holy shit. <laughs> I'm so old. Like, honestly, it's been several days. It's not even, right. you know, people were like, oh my God, how are you still like doing okay with all the partying? I'm like, it's, that's not even got me. It was just like the driving time, I think, that really like killed it for me where I was just like, oh my gosh, like 10 hours of being in traffic and stuff like that. It just like wears you out because it surprisingly, I didn't really feel hungover. I don't know. I- the, okay, so the next day after, I didn't feel too hungover, and I was like, I'm surprised. Like, thank you, Liquid IV. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, but then, like, yesterday, for whatever reason, I was not feeling good at all. And I think it was just a mix of, like, the long weekend and not really sleeping. And yeah. Um, but yesterday I was just like, whew. I think I that that's... Watching Jeopardy. <laughs> that is 
sold. You're sold. No, but really, I think that it's more like just a lack of sleep because, I mean, we got like five hours of sleep pretty much both nights and then, you know, the night. Anytime we're going on a trip somewhere, I mean, I'm this way. I never get sleep before I go on a trip. Like, I'm like packing at 11 o'clock at night and trying to like figure everything out and stressed about like, do I have this? Do I have that? So I feel like I never get good sleep the night before. And so it was just like a whole week. And not to mention... You quit your job and then started your new job literally the day after a bachelorette trip. <laughs> Crazy. Jeez. Well, yeah. So I am now happily employed elsewhere. Um, <laughs> so quit your gripe, but no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Just kidding. <laughs> we like to complain. <laughs> So with uh, Katie's Bachelorette in mind, last week I th- I thought, wouldn't it be great, because, you know, this was the episode we were going to do last week, I was like, what if, wouldn't it be great if we did a Bachelorette-themed episode? And so we were kind of like, okay, yeah, let's do something like that. I surprisingly couldn't find, surprisingly, I, sh- I guess I should be happy, <laughs> that I couldn't really find a whole lot of, like, bachelorette's gone terrible i mean i did find bachelorette's gone wrong but it wasn't like anyone got murdered so boring it was just like drunk driver killings oh my gosh (laughs) lame (laughs) lame but also don't drink and drive guys like just don't do it a lot of them were actually like limo drivers with like a limo full of bachelorettes and like either the limo driver crashed or someone crashed into them now i'm like i never want to go in a limo (laughs) Yep. I just yep. won't do it. Nope. No seatbelts, though. That's probably why. So if they were in a seatbelted limo, they probably wouldn't have died. I don't know. Probably. I'm probably. sure that there's, there's something to that. There was one case where groomsmen, the bachelor party, got out of hand, and they ended up killing the groom. And I, yeah, uh, the, the groomsmen were killing the groom. I was like, what? yeah, and they like lit him on fire to like cover up. It. I don't know. It sounded like things got out of hand, like at their bachelor party, and then like the groom ended up dead, and so they like burned his body to cover it up. And I should not laugh at all, but it's totally terrible and horrific. But I couldn't find as much information on it as I would like for an episode. So we're yeah. going with a bride to be case instead like with wedding planning gone wrong (laughs) yeah like you know i'm a bride to be so yeah this could be Um, you yeah (laughs) you know speaking of weddings and all that and bachelorettes and drinking we gotta get our drink ready for tonight oh yeah Um, i guess we should share because i'm already in it (laughs) yeah it's called double dip delight um and oh oh in a rocks glass, pour one and a half ounces of dark rum, add a scoop of ice, and then pour in four ounces of pineapple orange juice, and then float on top a half ounce of amaretto and a half ounce of disarano, and then garnish with a cherry. It's like an upside oh. down Mai Tai almost. Yeah. Yeah. But stronger. <laughs> and delicious. And delicious. And you'll yeah. be double dipping. <laughs> yeah, double dipping. Double dip in. And like all of our drink recipes, you can be sure to find this on our Instagram. Which is at Crimes and Cocktails. Or you can check out our Patreon. Which is patreon.com slash crimes and cocktails. Or you can email us any suggestions, stories, cocktail recipes, pet pictures, or how to fix our 
technical difficulties <laughs> at... Yes. And that would be crimes.cocktails at gmail.com. Ba-boom. So cheers. That's how you can get hold of us. All right. So tonight's story is about, like we said, love and lies. (laughs) Oh, Molly Nicole Watson was born December 15th, 1982 in Moberly, Missouri to Timothy and Sandy Watson. She had been married once before, and it was during her divorce that she found out she was pregnant. So while going through this divorce and a pregnancy, she started a relationship with a friend from grade school, Amber Brady. Uh, They were each other's first girlfriends, and both were actually married and going through divorces at the same time. Um, So Amber and Molly moved um, rather quickly, um, and... Once her son, Declan, was born, the three were what they considered a family. So they were together for five years. She worked at Burrell Behavioral Center, had her uh, master's in psychology, and also started her own nail polish brand called Shine Spark. Um, she was a bookworm, gamer girl. She loved a game called Metroid, which was, um, I've never heard of it, but I guess um, that's how she came up with the name for her nail polish brand. Huh. And uh, she was also big into Harry Potter and a Disney fan and Criminal Minds and Dr. Spencer Reed. Spencer Reed. (laughs) Oh, I know we had been talking about this before, how we're like, wow, sounds like us, like with the Disney and the Criminal Minds and Spencer Reed, of course. (laughs) Um. Marry me. (laughs) Matthew Greg Obler. Um, and in an interview that we found about her nail polish business, she actually discusses a lot of her likes and dislikes, and that's how we we're able to figure all this out, and it's kind of relatable, and um, sadly, also in this interview um, about her nail polish, she talks about how her favorite person was her fiancé, James Addy, um, and that one of her nail polish colors were named, um, was named Independence, and that was inspired by him from his time in the Marines, and because his birthday was on July 4th. How patriotic. Well, yes. James Addy worked as a corrections officer at Moberly Area Correctional Center when he met Molly in 2011. At the time, Molly was also working at the Correctional Center, and although there was an 18-year difference between the pair, they just clicked. They started beginning a relationship right away, even though they were both in relationships, which is just like, Molly, haven't you ever been single for five minutes? Seriously, the overlap, though. (laughs) The overlap, though. Sometimes you need to just, you know, explore who you are as a person. Explore yourself. And... I don't know. (laughs) Take a break. (laughs) Figure it out. But anyways, uh, James Addy was also, you know, he had also kind of jumped around. So he was on his fourth marriage, but he told Molly that they were divorcing, which we've all heard that before. And he had two kids. Molly was with her girlfriend, like we said, of five years, Amber Brady. And that relationship ended when Amber caught Molly and James together at a motel and then later again at a gas station. So I just, I really want to know what was going on at the gas station. (laughs) Right. They were pumping something. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Uh, So Molly blocked Amber on everything, even though Amber still kept trying to reach out, I guess. And I don't know. 
And then Molly and James continued their relationship. They both seem to be really in love. And at this point, Molly moves back in with her parents because she was living with Amber, if you remember. So Molly and her son move back in with her parents. Molly's brother, Tim, said that their family wasn't really a big fan of James because he was just really quiet and elusive. Like, he never came in the house when he came to pick up Molly. He never really said hi or introduced himself or anything. And, I mean, they've been together for five years. It's really really weird. Um, so the, I don't know, the family just was like, something's off about him. So they also said like, he just never looked him in the eye if they did talk to him. And I mean, I think the brother even said, he's like, I didn't even know his last name for a really long time. So really, really weird. Um, then one day Molly comes home and she announces I'm engaged and her family just felt really uneasy about all of it. I'm sure they were just like, what the hell? (laughs) What is this surprise? Um, okay. So I guess like they kind of voice their concerns to Molly and then they eventually say, yeah, we're not going to come to the wedding because we just feel really weird about this. But Molly is a sweet spirit and she just is, you know, begging them saying, you know, I really, it's really important to me that you guys are there. I really want you there. And I, I actually saw a 2020 on this case and they showed part of like her YouTube channel that she had. And she really just seemed like, I don't know, like just one of those people you couldn't really say no to because they're just so nice. So I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I feel like her family would have a really hard time sticking to their guns on that. So they changed their minds. They said, okay, we'll go to the wedding. When James proposed, supposedly he had already divorced his fourth wife. And the pair, Molly and James, began planning their April wedding for April 2018. So they'd been together, like we said, about five years? No, seven years. They'd been there seven years at this point. Yeah. A long time. They had done, like, vacations together and, you know, she was so obsessed with him and just not obsessed, but just in love. She had a nail polish named after Well, okay, maybe that's obsessed. obsessed. (laughs) Why are you so obsessed with me? Like most brides, Molly was super excited to plan her big day. Uh, her family said that she couldn't stop talking about the wedding, um, and then they booked it for right. Sunday, April 29th, 2018, um, at 5 p.m. at Stony Creek Hotel in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, as they got closer to the wedding date, James tells Molly that his ex, um, his most recent ex-wife, Melanie, was in a horrible car accident over the holidays in December and was on life support. Close to the wedding, he said they had to pull her off of life support and that she had passed away. Uh, So he tells Molly that he is preoccupied with funeral arrangements and unable to help with a lot of the wedding planning. Convenient. Uh Uh-huh. I'd be like, she's dead. What do you got to (laughs) do? She's dead. (laughs) Anyway. uh, She'll go anywhere. Do do the (laughs) funeral after the wedding. (laughs) (laughs) It's a few more days, huh? So, um, Molly continues planning herself, and she plans a whimsical Beauty and the Beast-esque wedding um, and hires wedding planner Sam Cohen and Crystal Graves Yazichi. Yazichi. <laughs> and Tabitha Schlib. But okay, Tabitha but this Tabitha doesn't spell her name the correct That's way. Okay. just no, want to say not. she spells yeah. it like Tabitha, and yeah. we are not the same. No. Um, I'm going to be calling her Tabitha. (laughs) No offense to this, to this Tabitha, but yeah, uh, you're spelling your name wrong, just so you know. Yeah, Tabitha. So 
she hires Tabitha to do her hair and makeup for the wedding. But then after talking with James, she thought it would be sweet to include his children in some way. So she asked if his daughter Emma would want to be in the wedding party. James was like, yeah, she would. And he'd love um, to have Emma have her, her makeup done with Molly. So the week of the wedding, Molly calls the butt. Um, oh, hold on. Oh, or I guess I'll share it later, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Getting ahead um, of myself. No. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, so the week of the wedding, Molly calls the planners, and then she lets them know that there's actually going to be a few changes now. Uh, the guest list has been cut in half, and James's daughter, Emma, is no longer going to get her makeup done with Molly. So. Everyone's going to go to that funeral. Everyone's going to go to that funeral, I guess. Yeah. And the yeah. wedding uh, party that's been cut in half, basically anyone that James supposedly invited couldn't come to the wedding. So. Yeah. Yeah. On April 25th, 2018, just a few days before the wedding, they went to get their marriage license. Now, there's a video from the courthouse that you can see, and Molly's walking in, bubbly, excited, and happy, and she's talking to everyone, greeting them, and smiling. She's having a friendly conversation with the clerk that's helping her. And then a few minutes later, James rushes in. He's in his correctional uniform. He just looks irritated. He looks like he doesn't want to be there. He just seems like he's kind of in a hurry, like, okay, can we get this done and over with kind of a thing. And when the clerk asks about past marriages, he apparently seems agitated and wants to know, why do you need to know that? Why do you need to know about my past marriages? So he says it ended in divorce and just leaves it at that. In the video, you can see it's so unsettling. Um, in the video, like she like clutches his arm and kind of like, you can tell she's probably like, oh, it's okay, baby. Like, just calm down. You know, he's just asking and she's like clutching his arm and she like puts her head on his shoulder and stuff. And he's just, he's just all irritated about this and stuff. So I don't know. It's just, it was just kind of hard to see that. And the clerk recalls kind of feeling weird about the whole situation. He's quoted saying, um, I had asked if he'd been married before and how it ended. And he was just like, why do you need to know that? Which is not really what this clerk yeah. is probably used to with happy couples coming in to get their marriage license. So, I don't know. Yeah. No. I mean, that's how I was when we got ours. <laughs> well, why didn't you know that? Taylor's all clutching you, kissing your arm. Yeah. yeah. And baby, you know. <laughs> no. On April 27th, Molly's wedding planner said that James dropped off decorations at the venue and made another payment. She said it was her third time meeting him, and he seemed just like he did in every other meeting that I met him. Really quiet, didn't say much. Um, And I do recall, as I was walking him out the door, I asked if he's getting excited, and his one comment was that Molly was driving him crazy. Not something the group should be saying on their, like... Day of a couple days before their wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess, you know, brides get a little bridezilla sometimes, so maybe I understand a little bit if he's kind of like, oh, she's just ready for this to be, you know, the day of oh, already because she's being yeah. a little crazy. But yeah. yeah. So on Friday night, April 27th, uh, 2018, around 9 30 p.m., Glenn McSparren, Sparren, McSparren, was driving down a back road to his mother's house in Monroe County, Missouri. It's a shortcut. It's like a, you know, backcountry road. It's dark. It's desolate. 
Uh, it's got it's a gravel road. It's really spooky looking. Uh, the road to be specific is County Road 930. And it's surrounded by like woods, bushes. There's actually like a part of the road that is covered by a creek. So it's something, you know, locals know about, right? Not just random people or anything like that. Yeah. And he was using it as a shortcut to get hit to his mother's house to drop his daughter off for the night. So he's driving down the road with his daughter and he comes up and he sees an idling car with the headlights on and it's just kind of there. And then he sees a, so he kind of slows down because he's like, hey, what's going on here? They're kind of like off to the side of the road and he's trying to figure out like, are they stuck? Like what's going on? And he sees a short white older male get out of the car and kind of hollers at him. So, or no, I'm sorry. He hollers to the white short dude. (laughs) And he says, you know, are you guys stuck? Like, what's going on? And the guy replies saying, I don't know where they're at. It's going to be a while. You should go around. So Glenn's like, okay, uh, I'll go around because it's not, it's not a very wide road. So he backs his truck up and he takes the long way to his mother's house. Then he just felt like something was off about that. He's like, I don't know what it was, but something just felt really, really off about that. So after he dropped his daughter off, he decides, I'm going to take that shortcut way on the way back this time and kind of see if those people are still stuck there. So I would never do this. <laughs> like, I feel right? like I'd be like, all but right, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Know. Bye. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I hope you got triple A. Yeah, but he he decides, you know, take the take the shortcut back. So he goes and um, it's about 10 p.m. So it's about a half hour later. And as he's driving down the road and he's just about to turn through that creek I was talking about earlier, he sees the uh, car parked on the side of the road with the headlights on and there's a body. Actually, I'm sorry, the headlights were not on, but his headlights shone on the car. And then he can see with his headlights that there is a body laid out right in front of the car. Just a a female body laying there. So he's like, what the heck is going on? So he he's feeling really weird about this. Like, this is not good. He immediately, not before even leaving his car, this guy was so freaking responsible, he calls 911. Um, so he calls 911, and he explains to the operator, like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what time it is, where I'm at, blah, 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 blah. And this is exactly what I'm seeing right now. And so the operator is telling him, okay, you should get out of the truck and go check on her and see if she's still alive. Right, because it's zombie. I'm not getting out. <laughs> I don't know that I could do it, honestly. I don't know. I'd be I like, eh, I'd be, mm, how about not? <laughs> how about I throw a rock at her and see what happens? Poker <laughs> <laughs> with a very long stick. <laughs> yeah, very long stick. So he said he was terrified of something or someone that was going to just jump out from behind the bushes or a tree or something like that, which I am like, I do not blame you. It's freaking scary. It's pitch black. He said he doesn't have any batteries in his flashlight, so he just has his truck's headlights. So he grabs his handgun and he walks towards, you know, through the creek and up toward the body and he keeps the operator on the phone the whole time and he's he's telling the operator exactly like what he's doing. Okay, grabbing my gun. Okay, I'm getting out of the car. Okay, I'm walking through the creek, which I'm just like, this guy is so smart because yeah. people don't do this shit and... Then they get got. Yep. Then they get got. So he is on the phone. He calls to the body. He says, ma'am, 
ma'am, she doesn't respond. Her eyes are open. It's not a good sign. He bends down and takes her pulse. She has no pulse. And he's like, no, she, she's dead. She's deceased. So he tells the opera, he's like, you know, you guys got to hurry because I think she might be dead kind of a thing. She did. Did, did, did. Did, did, So when police show up, they confirm she's infected and begin to assess the scene. There's blood on the ground outside the driver's door, drag marks on the gravel road, and they find her. Uh, she's laid out in front of the car, barefoot, wearing dark blue pajama pants and a tank top. Uh, with brown moccasin shoes off to the side by the car. She appeared to have been shot execution style with one shot to the back of the head point blank. They checked the car registration and confirm it belonged to Molly Watson. And then along the embankment, they find almost perfectly preserved tire tracks, which they take a casting of for a comparison later. Just want to say, I know you mentioned this to me, watching that documentary, like Molly oh, yeah. Watson's feet are burned. They're burned in my image. Yeah. Like, they're burned in my yeah. mind. They're just in the there. documentary, it just keeps showing her feet from, like, you know, the crime scene photos. And she's barefoot. And uh, it just kept showing it. I was just like, oh, my gosh. That was what that guy was seeing when he got out of his car. And <laughs> it's it horrible. <laughs> I've been like, uh, I, I did my duty. I called the police. <laughs> I see some bare feet. Um, oh. Nope. <laughs> so... The police are there, like we said, they're assessing this, and then they, you know, they kind of go through there, and while they are inspecting the car, they find a marriage license in the passenger seat, and it has James Addy's name on it. So they said, okay, oh shit, like, we gotta contact her fiancé, you know? They obviously contact the family, too, and everything, but uh, at 2.30 that morning, a trooper goes, they find, you know, James Addy, they locate his house and everything like that, and they go to inform him of Molly and just kind of ask him a few questions. However, here's where it gets crazy, guys. So when the trooper knocks on the door that night, he is startled to see another woman answer the house door. And he's even more startled to find out that this woman is the wife of James Addy. The Melanie that supposedly had died in a car accident. And guess what? They've been married for 23 years. Yep. What, what, what? So, supposedly, Melanie, who got in a car accident, died in a life support. Yeah, no, she's uh, very much alive. And yeah, definitely never got in a car accident. And she is also equally and horribly surprised that this is the first time she's hearing all this and that her husband of 23 years has a fiance that just got killed. So she's like, what the fuck? So Melanie said in a later interview that she was working at a convenience store in the early nineties and James used to come in as a customer pretty often. Eventually he asked her out and the two hit it off. And then six months into dating, they, he proposed to her in 1995 They got married, and soon after that, they had their son, Ben, and then a few years later, they had their daughter, Emma. She said it was a very traditional home. She was a stay-at-home mother. James was the hardworking father. She said, you know, I admit we had our our fights and issues from time to time, but nothing ever gave her this impression that he was cheating on her at all or had this whole other life or anything like that. 
Um, she said mainly it was just, you know, things like, oh, money, finances, or the occasional butting heads with the son or something like that. But he always seemed like the loyal, respectable husband slash father. And uh, when he went on vacation to Disney World with Molly, he told his wife it was a work trip that he was going on. And then he... Uh, he even forged a business letter from his work to make it seem legit, like it was some kind of like team bonding trip that they were going on. It's crazy. And then he went to Mexico with Molly on another trip, and he said that that was trip with coworkers, which I don't know why she didn't question that a little bit more. But yeah. she said in the room, she's like, I never really met any of his coworkers, so I just thought, oh, okay, you know, just you have fun, whatever. Just the most trusting wife in the world ever, I imagine. Well, so yeah, I guess I mean he's partially telling the truth. Molly was his coworker. Oh so. God, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So she, this poor woman, she, um, she had no idea what was going on or anything like that. Like she's just like. This, yeah, you know, startled at 2.30 in the morning. There's police at her door. They're saying, oh, is James Addy here? Like, we found his fiance dead. And she's like, wait, what the, what the fuck? Like, I'm his Nobody wife, you know? Nobody better wake me up at 2.30 in the morning, especially for this. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, police are obviously confused about what's going on um, when they discover that um, who was supposed to be the grieving fiance is actually living a double life. Yeah. Uh, so they sit down to question James and Melanie. James admits almost immediately that, yeah, I was having an affair, and Molly is my fiancé. So police ask him where he was that night, and he got really uncomfortable. He got up, opened a window, and then turned on a fan to let cold air come in, then sits back down and tells police that he went to a friend's house at 7 p.m. to pick up an avocado plant. Where's the avocados? Yes. (laughs) And got home at 8.30 that night. Um, and had talked to Molly on a burner phone he hid from Melanie. He grabbed the phone and showed police a screenshot of a 22-minute phone call from Molly to him at 8.30. Which, why Why did you screenshot, screenshot that? Yeah. Right? It's all just ready, up and loaded. So, and then police saw text messages from James to Molly after the time of her death, which read, um, At 9.35, what did you eat for supper? At 9.39, I love you so much. At 10.52, night-night, sweetheart, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And, of course, these are just messages from James to Molly. There's no messages in between. Because she's already dead. Right? Hard to text. You did. So, uh... Right, so, um, police are really suspicious at this point, obviously. So, they arrest him and charge him with first-degree murder. And then when police questioned Melanie, she says she remembers him leaving, but she doesn't know when he returned. She said she woke up from um, woke up from him snoring at about 2 a.m. and moved to the couch. And then about 30 minutes later, that's when the police showed up. So later, when asked if she thought James was capable of murder, Melanie said yes. Uh, she said it seemed like something he would do to fix a problem because he could be really selfish and controlling. Which is crazy. (laughs) I know. Be married to somebody who you're like, yeah, I can see him murdering somebody. If I ever thought Taylor was capable of murdering somebody, I'd be out of here so fucking I know. It's so weird to me. I mean, she's over here like on one end being like, oh, I never thought he would cheat on me. I'm so surprised by this. But then in the same breath, you're saying, yeah, I could see him killing somebody. And I'm like, what? 
Yeah. Hell no. Uh -uh. So, a couple things that I, uh, little tidbits from earlier. I was reading some Reddit threads, and I actually found a Reddit thread that Molly's brother is actually on, and he responded to some people's questions. Um, And like how we said, you know, how half the wedding just, like, couldn't come to, I mean, how half the uh, people couldn't come to the wedding, the people that James was supposed to invite. Uh, yeah. Her brother said that James just, like, got the invitations, just threw them in a the trash. Like, he never told anyone. Obviously, because he's already fucking married. And then... I know. <laughs> You're all, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'd murder him for that. Seriously. <laughs> That's good money. <laughs> good money. And then, apparently, James told his daughter, Emma, that he had a friend, Molly, who was going to be doing, like, a play or something like that and needed her makeup done. So he said, oh, would you do, like, a test makeup with her and blah, blah, blah. Nothing about a wedding or who oh, you're going to be in this lady's wedding or anything like that. So Molly actually et- met Emma, but obviously they two were confused. And I am just so curious. I would love to be a fly on the wall in that room because I just don't know how that even went down. Like at all. Like how? Yeah. I don't know how he got away with it. With I don't know how he got with it. It reminded me of the New Girl episode where Schmidt is like still dating um, like his oh, college she, girlfriend yeah, and yeah. Elizabeth or something like that. And then he's also yeah. dating Cece. And they're both at the party and he thinks like they're going to find out. But they just are like, oh, you're doing this. Oh, you're doing that. And he's just like how did I get away with this? <laughs> yes. Don't ever do that, guys. Just just don't. Yeah. Stupid. Just stick to one, and if you're not happy, break up. Like, that's yeah. just... That's, stop trying to be a douche. Don't kill him. Uh, <laughs> don't kill him. Yeah, also just don't kill... Don't kill anybody. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> For real. Unless they're trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, and then you stab them right in the eye. <laughs> Twice. Oh, <laughs> So, uh, James continued to maintain his innocence while in county jail for three years. His trial date was moved several times, once in 2018 because it had to change from Monroe County to Cole County. Um, And then on October 23rd, 2020, it was delayed again and declared a mistrial because of COVID. Um, I guess too many jurors got sick, so um, they couldn't finish the trial. And then... It was finally able to proceed on April 26th, 2001. So um, when they were, you know, calling people to the stand, um, they called his daughter, Emma, up. And at the scene of the murder, they had found um, a bloody T-shirt. And she testified that she had actually made him that T-shirt that was found at the murder site. Well, that T-shirt was actually found kind of a little bit away from the site. Yeah, it was was a little bit down the road. A little bit down the road, but I think wasn't a. um, I think a police officer just driving down the road and happened to see it. Yeah, and was like, huh. He was. um, He was driving away from the murder scene to go do something else, and then he saw it like with his headlights and stopped and was like hey, this is actually pretty close to the murder scene. I'm going to pick this up. Yeah. And so he, he bagged it, which I'm like, good for you. Um, and it had blood on it. When they tested it, it was Molly's blood. Um, and then Emma, the daughter, said, yeah, I actually made for that in my class for one of uh, my classes. And so there was no other shirt like it anywhere. Um, <laughs> her dad was the only one to have it. So I'm like, if you're going to murder somebody also, wear a shirt that, from like Walmart. Don't wear something that your daughter made you that there's only one of. So, um, 
Then ammunition found at the crime scene was linked to James. Um, the tire track mold that they had taken before was a perfect match to the right rear tire um, of James's um, old vehicle. lady car. What was that? Old lady car. Yes. Apparently, exactly. the witness that um, ended up finding Molly's body when he when the operator and the police were asking him like what kind of car was it that you saw like the old the short guy in and he's like i don't know it was an old lady car like, yeah you could have given a better description i mean i know it's nighttime but yeah like, what, what? i would have been like a cadillac oldsmobile like i don't know a buick <laughs> pink avon car yeah had <laughs> <laughs> the old lady car um, and then they called uh, two inmates that were um, in prison with James to the stand, and both of them said that when they had asked him um, why he was in for prison and why his bond was set at $500,000, he said that he had put someone face down in a ditch. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then... Uh, uh, basically he was- himself, because he's digging his own grave here. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then they had police searched through um, Molly's phone and they found on it a lot of searches for Melanie's obituary the day of her murder. Um, so she had been looking. I think she she was starting to realize that James was lying to her, was looking for Melanie's obituary, couldn't find it. It was just like, your wife's not dead. Um, and then her cell phone also shows that she drove to the site of her murder um, while she was on the phone with James. It was a 22-minute phone call, and then the location was 22 minutes from her house. So she was on the phone with him the entire drive over, maybe even confronting him about Melanie still being alive. You know, we don't know what they were talking about. Um, And then the night of the murder, old crazy James sent a whole bunch of texts to himself, like, meeting at 8, don't be a bitch again, and let's go, man. Like... He was pumping like himself self-motivation up for, murder. for murder. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, Melanie was questioned, and her testimony goes pretty much goes against everything James has told the court. So um, he'd just be like, oh, I was here on this night, or I was doing this. And Melanie was like, no, he wasn't. So, um, and then the only emotion James Addy shows throughout the entire trial was when his daughter was questioned. Um, I guess he started to cry in court when she was saying that that was the t-shirt that she had made for him. Um, And then James does not testify at all. So uh, when the jury comes back, they found James guilty of first degree murder and armed criminal action. Um, Yeah. (laughs) He just was an idiot. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And left way too many clues. Oh my gosh. So after the trial, James finally finds his voice and he says he didn't get a chance to tell his side of the story. Blah, blah, blah. The sentence, uh, I mean, sorry, the judge sentenced him to life without parole plus 10 years in July of last year, 2021. And then he allowed him to speak. James reads, this is so gross, he reads a love letter to Molly and says that he misses her and that she was the love of his life and that he wants a new trial because his defense counsel was bad and he was mad that the court hadn't introduced evidence that one of Molly's exes could have killed her, even though there's no evidence pointing to any other ex at all. Uh, Earlier this month, uh, January 2022, 
uh, James filed a motion for a retrial saying that the court shouldn't have allowed to show his text to Molly, which I'm like, nah, bitch. Yeah, nah. yeah sorry. Like, also, you gave them your phone. <laughs> so, also, like, like, what a fucking slap to his wife of, like, 20-something years being like, oh, well, this side chick was the love of my life that I yeah. murdered. Yeah. In cold blood when she discovered yeah. my secret. I I mean, yeah. I do feel bad for his wife. I really, really do. Um, but... <sighs> She's better off. Way, way better off without him. I mean, yeah. she divorced him so fast when all this came out. I think she filed a divorce like two weeks later. And yeah. she was out of there at ever. But it just... The impression that I got from the interview that she had was that she seemed scared to leave him at times like while she said she's like oh you know he was never abusive i'm just like i don't believe you i don't believe it either i just don't think she's ready to talk about it yet which is fine got to do it in your own time yeah but it definitely got the feeling that like he was abusive in some way and that's why she stayed he had to have been like for her to not know or ask questions about where his where he was like they were dating for seven years, and she didn't notice that he was gone all the time. Like, well, and she said that he would get off work at three, but he never okay. got home until, like, a couple hours later. Like, he'd get home at, like, six or seven every single day, and every time she asked him where he was, he'd get pissed about it. Yeah. I'm just like, uh... And the only the other thing I thought about, too, is I'm like, she probably didn't leave because she's a stay-at-home mom, and there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. My mom was a stay-at-home yeah. mom, and my mom was a great mom, but... You don't have any um, way to make money for yourself sometimes when you're no. when you're stuck in that situation and and it's you very know easy to get financially yeah people can kind of get yeah. stuck there because they're like well what do I do and then I mean you leave a marriage after twenty something years you're now twenty something years older and you don't have any work experience or yeah anything like that it can be really hard so. I don't know. It just, it can be scary. So I do feel for her in that sense. And I'm just like, oh man, but better off with that. I hope those kids are okay. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine like (laughs) dealing with that and finding that out about my dad. Oh my uh, God. Molly's son read a statement um, at the sentencing of James, um, basically just saying, um, you know, I, can't believe you took my mother away from me and me away from my mother um i loved her so much and she's only made one mistake in her life and it was uh getting in a relationship with you and you know stuff like that so i was really sad and he's like pretty young too um and i believe i looked it up now that he's living with his biological father and his stepmother so hopefully you know um he's okay and as well especially since he was so young during all of this and i mean i'm sure it's affected all the kids that were involved oh yeah a lot yeah so that's um that's the murder of molly watson and i never trust your fiance they will skin you or you know in this case <laughs> Shoot you. Did you do your uh, background report on Taylor yet? <laughs> Girl, Actually, I know you. You did that before you went on the first date. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know everything about it. Everything. <laughs> 
so our sources today were ABC's 2020, which I mentioned, and you guys should totally watch that if you haven't, and you can also see the feet. (laughs) On Hulu. On Hulu. Um, ABC News, Oxygen, Daily Mail, uh, The Sun, and then Reddit, Heavy.com, and Medium.com are our sources for today, and I will put all of these in our show notes so that you can access them as well if you want to. And then, like we said, also the victim impact statement on YouTube. I'll also put that on there. But, yeah. yeah. You can listen to him read um, at his mom's, uh, or the sentencing for his mom's murder. So, yeah. um, Don't cheat on your wife and don't get in relationships with married men who say they're going to leave their wife. Because they're not. They're going to end up shooting you. (laughs) Yep. And, um... You know, I don't know. Don't die with, don't break. die barefoot. I don't know. <laughs> Go out without your shoes on. <laughs> Go without your shoes on. Get your chunkless on. Well, she did have, she had her moccasins next to her, I she guess. She shoes. I bet when he shot her, like, I don't Who know. Knows? Sick fuck. Poor oh, Molly. No. Poor Molly Watson. She's going to have a big old, beautiful, Beauty and the Beast wedding. It's all your mm-hmm. dreams and stuff like that. The crazy thing is he was, like, making payments on this wedding. And then, like, kills her. And I'm just like, I don't know about you, but I do not have money like that to waste. (laughs) Right? I would have been, like, pretending to make payments or something. I don't know. Like, how hard is it to just break up with her and be like, oh, actually, we're not going to call off the engagement. Or, you know, like, he's an idiot for proposing at all. (laughs) Yeah. Total idiot. Yeah. Oh, guys. Do your do your background checks on on your uh, significant others there. Yeah, if you need help, again, I'm here. <laughs> She's an expert. She's definitely yeah. an expert. It's kind of terrifying sometimes. Um, yep. Any first date I've ever gone on, I definitely send Katie a screenshot of it, and I I'm not kidding. She knows everything about them. I don't want to know everything about them yet, but Katie will know everything about them. About them. <laughs> I already know everything about them before she sends me the screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> before. <laughs> You're all, hmm, I had a feeling he was going to be six foot one. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, guys, wish us luck in the recording industry here that we will figure it out. And uh, like if I said, if you know anything about it, then uh, please, please, please send us an email with the deets whatever crimes.cocktails at gmail.com and you can follow us like i said on instagram at crimes and cocktails dot uh, not blah blah, blah 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 you can follow us on instagram at crimes and cocktails i forgot our instagram team was and <laughs> <laughs> thankfully it's just the name of our podcast yes so yes that's what it. we're called yep yep all right well Uh-oh. guys have a great great weekend stay alive <laughs> Ooh, 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 ooh. Staying alive, staying alive. Oh.